0: Wonderful. Well, if, if we haven't met yet, I'm Will Van der Hart. I'm the new associate victor here. So um, it's great to meet you. Many of you have been here watching for a long time. So I feel like a guest, but welcome guest. Uh, and if you are new, just like me, um, then it's great to have you here this evening. We're going to be reading tonight from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 to 24. Uh, I've got some slides supporting them on the screen. If you've got advice or if you've got a Bible, then uh, do uh, take that out right now. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we no longer be infants, tossed backwards and forwards by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness of men in a deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, they must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of this ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him Well, today, as Tim has said already, is our final sermon in this series of vision uh, here at St. Diondix, that we are uh, growing mission-minded disciples who live with Jesus wherever they are. This is this is the mission of this church, and so far this term we've explored what it means to be a disciple, what it means to be mission-minded, and what it means to be salt and light wherever you are. And t- tonight I just want to pose that question to you, but how do I grow? How do I grow in all of this? And I want to say to this that Christian growth, like many aspects of our faith, is both an immediate identity and a developing identity. So when you invite Jesus into your life, you become a Christian, but then you begin this journey of what it looks like to become more like Christ. And this is a journey that's true for all of us. You can become a Christian 30 seconds before you die, and you'd have a full identity of being a Christian, but for those 30 seconds you begin the journey of what it looks like to become more Christ-like. Now for those of us who have been, uh, become Christians at the young age, I became a Christian and made a first commitment to Jesus aged about five. That's quite a bumpy journey. Because I, I took on the identity of what it looked like to be a Christian as a child, but then I spent a life working out what it looks like to grow into the fullness of the identity of being a Christ follower. And so here in the room, we will have to accept that it's not enough to say, I am a Christian although that is, in a sense, a complete statement. It, it has to be co-joined with the idea that I am a Christian, and I am growing in the likeness of Christ. For some people, being a Christian is like having a very expensive credit card in their wallet. They know it's there, so it's like an insurance scheme, especially if they're on holiday, and they, they might have some expenses incurred that they didn't anticipate. But they never really want to use that credit card because the, you know, the repayment scheme is, is far too expensive. So so it's having it there that's a comfort, but actually we don't really want to use it. But I want to say to you this, being a Christian is not a a static experience, it's not a get out of jail free card. It's not something we band can kind of just lean on or file away for a difficult time. Being a Christian is an organic journey of transformation and growth. In our reading from verse 15, it sets the ambition for growth. And it's like the picture of flowers on a packet of seeds. I, I sent my lovely wife Louie into the uh, garden center because we did a, a little activity with the children this morning. You know, when, when you actually buy a packet of seeds, it's pretty disappointing. You pay, pay three pounds fifty for, for this envelope of paper that weighs basically nothing. And inside are a small number of seeds. And you, you do feel wrong. But you, when you buy a packet of seeds like this, It's not the weight of the seeds or the quality of the packaging that makes you feel like you're spending good money. It's always the picture on the front. This is a pack of gerbers. The seeds are miserably small. Here they are. They're pretty much weightless. But according to the packaging, these gerbers will become these incredible flowers. So I can tell you this. Each one of those tiny seeds is a complete gerbera. Do you feel satisfied with that? Do you you want to decorate your living room with gerbera seeds? And say, I've got a a host of fantastic gerberas in in my living room. Would you like to come and see them and enjoy them? Because I'll they're a full gerbera, everything that's needed. Every gerbera bit in the DNA of these particular seeds is 100% gerbera but they just haven't demonstrated yet the fullness of what it looks like to be a Jew. And that is, you know, feel like, the analogy of what the Christian life really looks like. Are we going to be infants tossed around by all sorts of teaching, never really growing up? Or do we want to grow up into the fullness of what it looks like to be followers of Jesus Christ? Because the reality is, you know, growth is not really an option. If we choose not to grow, we're basically saying we're just going to atrophy and die. We're never going to become anything in the kingdom of God. And I, and I feel a, a pain, you know, in, in the church at large that is populated by so many people who still believe that Christianity is some sort of insurance for the moment they die. Not a life to live now, not, not a growth experience, not a transformation of their lives for the glory of God. And I think in a broken, hurting world, this is the time when the church needs to grow up and show them what Jesus. Really looks like. So how do we grow? Well, firstly, we need ambition. We need to put the stake in the ground. In verse 6, 13, it says we're trying to retain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's no half measures in the kingdom of God. Don't say just try and be a little bit Christ-like. As a teenager, we were thinking, how much of being like Jesus do I do I really need? I mean, can I get away with being a bit like Jesus in this way, but not really a bit like Jesus in this way? So I kind of do a deal with God. Like Jesus, I will talk like you, but um, I will not drink like you.
1: (laughs) So this is the kind of thing, you know. If I can
0: trade one for the other, you know, then then I can find a half measure of being a Christian. And so often we settle for that idea that I can I can half grow as a Christian. I could grow my leaves, I just won't grow any flowers. I could grow my stalk, but you know, I, I'm not going to grow any petals. But you can't half grow a gerbera. It's either growing or it's not growing. You can't accept any half measures in growth in the kingdom of God. We're all into grow, we're not into grow at all. You've got decide. actually actually, I might growing because if you're into growing, you're growing in every area of your spiritual life in order that you might become much, much more like Christ. With the with the, with the stake in the ground of saying, actually, there are no half measures here. You know, in, in, on the American frontier, it's, it's it's not a beautiful story, but you know, they used to give the pioneers the stake. And, and, and you, know, you, would, you would literally gallop out of that place or on your horse with your stake to find a piece of land. And there will be a lot of other people galloping too. And then, and then you would find a plot that you thought was potentially good and then you would hammer your stake in the ground. And that would be your life's work. You know, I put my stake in the ground, I'm going to grow something in this land. You know, I'm 100% committed. And I guess I want to ask you, Tonight, are you ready to put a stake in the ground for your growth? Nothing's grown yet. Like, I'm just challenging you for that. And I'm just saying, you know, are you going to put a stake in the ground in expectation that that plant is going to grow, that that field is going to grow, that your life is going to grow? In this season of COVID, I, I, I've seen deflation, and I, I, I'm, 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 you know, I've struggled, as Tim knows, with, you know, with the broad auspices of what it looks like to be an education. Because I feel like, Somewhere in the echelons of our church, people have suddenly lost aspiration, and, and it's not felt to me like hope has been ringing out from our, uh, our church, and I'm like, hold on! In the most difficult ground, now is the time that we are called to grow. I'm not saying this is easy, and I'm certainly not a tranquilist sort of, hey, wow, this is an amazing opportunity. What I'm saying is, in, on the hardest ground, under the greatest pressure, we will grow. It's no surprise to me that the church in China is the largest church in the world. that has been oppressed for the last 60 years. Because under pressure, we will grow. And have we allowed COVID to steal our aspiration for growth? To think, oh, we've just got to get through this season. And then, you know, when this is done, then we can start growing again. Now is the time to say, oh, how do I grow? Lord, I want to grow. I want to move. I want to flourish. I want to look more like Christ at this time we have to fertilize the soil in verse 11 and 12 the writer to ephesians says that jesus gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some evangelists some pastors some teachers you know, to god's people for works of service that the body of christ may grow if you want to grow healthy you can't just eat one thing i'm always telling my kids this when they just want to eat haribo for breakfast lunch and dinner and, you know, that is not a lot of nutritious diet why do they always put everything that's healthy to the side if there are beans and broccoli they eat the beans, they just don't eat the broccoli they have a burger, they take out the salad the only thing that legitimises them eating the burger in the first place <laughs> we tend to take out the things that, that, that actually are good for us and we need diversity if we're going to grow you know, and I'm, on, I'm here and I'm new, but I'm going to say this boldly at the 5 o'clock service we need greater diversity We need a diversity of age, we need a diversity of race, we need great diversity amongst us in in, in social experience. We want to see this church populated by people from the local estates, we want to see a huge diversity, so we are uncomfortable. If all of your friends look like you, walk like you and talk like you, you will not grow, because you are not being challenged. We, We can all in the 21st century live in this echo chamber where everyone who we talk to agrees with us, that is a problem, you know, we weren't called to that, we were called to a diverse church, which is high, wide, deep and long, in order that that diversity might force us to grow. You now I, I feel like we're in this factionalized world, in this tribalized world, because the internet has enabled us to be in chat rooms with people who think like us, walk like us and talk like us. And the one organisation I believe which is set up not to do that is the Church of Jesus Christ, which says that slave and free worship together, rich and poor worship together. Jew and Gentile worship together, Roman worship together. You know we're here this is to see fertile soil, and if, and if everyone who looks like you is hanging with you, then find some new friends. Don't just count your friends, but just find some new friends. Let's make sure that we have a varied diet. I was reading on the internet that no food provides every nutrient the body needs. That's true, and no single person in the context of the church, or no typology provides the food that we need in order to grow. As a Christian disciple planted in the soil of the church family, we need this diversity of nutrients so the body of Christ might be built up. You know, it sounds amazing on the level. where are like, oh yeah, I really want that. It's really hard. You know, it's hard. I ran a church in Harrow for uh, six and a half years, and it's the most religiously diverse borough in the whole of the UK. There's a 70% probability that if you take two people off the street, they'll belong to different religions. There was one roundabout, where you can see eight different religious places of worship from on this one roundabout. You know, it meant interacting with people. I had such a different worldview and background to me, and honestly, I have quite high social embarrassment. So if things are going badly, I sort want the earth to swallow me up. But but I recognize that the conflict and difficulty and difference of opinion and various of experiences and social backgrounds actually force me to grow up. And that's a journey that I'm still on, and it's a journey that we will all be on. But we've got to welcome the frustration. Bodybuilding, and I've got to be honest, I don't do much of it, is a resistance-based activity. If you do bodybuilding, it basically breaks down your muscles, and then muscles then they start to bleed. But then your body Rebuilds those muscles and repairs the damage, but it overcompensates and just makes those muscles a little bit bigger every time. Now, being a Christian is a resistance-based exercise. Now, as we engage with one another, we get a little broken and a little bit bruised. But actually, the body of Christ overcompensates; the Spirit of God in us overcompensates and grows us into the image of Christ. It's in adversity and challenge that we find we grow the most. You know, the body breaks down and rebuilds itself in terms of muscles every 15 to 30 days. If you've been really sick, then you'll know this is true because you will have wasted away in your bed over the course of even just one week. That means that Christianity cannot just be in the short scheme we keep in our back pocket because standing still is not standing still. Standing still is dying. We're either growing or we're atrophying. And I think, unfortunately, in the church, it's easy to start atrophying. So tonight we've got to make a decision to say, you know what, well, I really want to grow. I'm going to start growing now, because if, if I'm growing, then I'm standing still. And if I am standing still, then I'm actually going backwards. You, know, you don't plant a vine hoping it will die. You plant, you, know, you plant a vine in the hope that it will flourish and bear fruit. So we need this very diet, we need some of that struggle. We need to recognise that it, it's a patient game, it's work in progress. But God is doing something, he has done something, and he will do something. But it's not a one-stop shop. You don't get to a place on this earth where you can say, yeah, I'm done. Thanks very much. Just like Jesus. John Newton, the slaver who became a great Christian saint, said, I'm not what I ought to be. I'm not what I want to be. I'm not what I hoped I'd be. But I'm still not what I want used to be. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. For me, that's one of the most helpful quotes to think about in what it looks like to grow in faith. He's got aspiration, not what I want to be. He, he, he's got a recognition transformation. I'm not what I used to be. Uh, I, I am what I am, which carries Christian identity. You know, and, and I'm stuck in this kind of matrix of transformation and change. God's definitely with me. He's doing something in me. You know, verse 17 to 19, I'm coming to land. I know your masks are probably steaming up, um, but verse 17 to 19, they identify the sort of attitudes and habits which inhibit our growth and poisonous the soil around us. Now, if you planted a vine, and, and then you, you, you thought, you know, you'd you get your tractor, your tractor runs out of petrol, you think, oh, I'll well, fill up the tractor, and, and you put down the jelly can of petrol, and it starts glugging out into the soil. You, you know, you, you could go, oh, well, it'll probably be all right. You know, it wouldn't be too bad, you know, it would probably be all right for a bit. Joe knows about this, come on Joe, and the the mint, you've done it a few times, drop the jerry can, the oil starts, you know, it gets into the soil before you know it, the plant starts dying, you've got six months, you've got a dead tree on your land, that's how it works. Of course you rush over and you you know, you pick up the jerry can and dig out all the bad soil. So, you've got to get take something out, as well as put something in, if you really want to grow. It's not just saying, oh, you well, know, I want this, I've got this aspiration, I've got that aspiration. You've got to recognise those things, which are actually damaging the soil of your growth, the inhibitors to growth. The writer says in verse 22, you were taught with regard to the former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted with its deceitful desires. But the Greek word here for deceit is Apartheid, which means a false impression made to deceive or trick. When it comes to dealing with those things that actually are a blockage to our growth, they rarely are as straightforward as the petrol can. You know, some people spend their lifetime going around churches trying to find the perfect environment for their spiritual growth. when the reality is they've ruined it as soon as they've arrived. Because the real obstacles to their spiritual growth are within them. You know, we carry it with us. The blockages are very rarely the people around us. The blockages are very rarely the worship or, or the teaching or the tea. The blockages is normally they're normally in us. We're actually deceiving ourselves and saying, no, I don't I don't really want to change. Uh, uh, it's a lack of self-awareness that keeps us from really growing in Christ. You know, we get really uppity about a bit of theology because we want to like you know push back and look like we're really growing in Christ. We just, we just don't really want to change. I don't really like that. I'm going to find a really intellectual argument to destroy that so I don't have to change. We find all sorts of ways of deceiving ourselves to avoid the transformation growth that God's actually called us towards. The writer to Ephesians is saying, you know, we're deceiving ourselves. And it's those attitudes and prejudices and beliefs and defences that keep us static that's why we need to be a diverse church, who speak the truth in love to one another. You know, if we're not like verse 15, speaking the truth in love. You know, this, is, this is what accountability looks like. It's not all about, all, oh, oh I've, I've got a secret sin I'd like to tell you. You know, it's not all like that. It sometimes is, that, But it's not all like that. Sometimes it's like, hey, can I just point something out to you? Every time that we have this conversation in our life group, I always feel like I see it you know, do you want to talk about that? Or whenever we talk about such and such, you come like a major defensive, and I just want to challenge you. Like that's what speaking the truth in love is. It's other people knowing us well enough to say, I don't, I don't, I don't think you need that. I think actually I want to help you get away from that in order that you might grow. Like the wounds of a friend are like gold. Now I've got friends who will tell me exactly what they think. That is a painful experience for me in friendship. I honestly don't always want my friends to tell me exactly what they think. But actually, is it good for me that they tell me what I think, what they think? Of course it is. It's brilliant for me. If you surround yourself with people who tell you exactly what you want to hear, you will never ever grow. Like if we want to grow, we have to invite challenge. We have to say, look, I'm probably being deceived. I'm deceived myself and I really want to grow. Paul says, put off the old self and all its deceits. We're called to a new self. To have a new attitude of our minds, and it's and it's not like the new self is is the growth. The new self has the potential for growth. Old wine skins were brittle and hard, and they couldn't expand. With a new wine, new wine skins are soft and supple, and they enable growth. The spider sheds its skin not so it's grown in its new skin, but so its new skin has the potential that it might grow. Hermit crab has to let go of small shells if it ever wants to become a big hermit crab. And we've got to let go of those things that are our growth in order that we might grow. But it's much more than us doing it to ourselves. When Paul says about changing the attitudes of our minds, he uses the word pneumatis, meaning the spirit, the spirit of your mind. In Romans 8, 16, it says that the spirit himself testifies to our spirit that we're children of God. I don't believe in the kind of pull up, uh, you you know, you pull up your bootstraps, you work harder, beat yourself up a bit more about not being a good Christian disciple, that tends not to work. It's the Spirit of God that works. Like, we have to have the intention and the expectation and the desire for growth, but then we have to say, God, I'm really open for this. Like, and that's a dangerous prayer. Now, will you come and fill me with your Holy Spirit in order that I might grow? Now, I I wouldn't recommend tonight you pray that prayer. If you don't really be uncomfortable, do not pray that prayer. Like, but if you want to grow, I'd say pray that prayer. If you're not ready for that, I wouldn't do it. I'd say, Lord, not really listening, I'm not really ready to grow. So just leave me alone for a bit longer. I think that's okay. But if you want to grow, then you've got to say, Spirit of God, will you fill me and transform me into the image of Christ Jesus? That you know that's that's how I want to be. That's that's the place that I want to be. That's the gospel I believe in, and that's the life I really want to live. And I, I believe that today, you know, if a number of you wanted to pray that prayer, I believe that we would see transformation in our church and in ourselves, and in one another, and in and in me, and in Tim. And we, we all need this growth. We, we're not talking to you as people who have grown up Christians, because we're all we're all children of God. But but we'd like to grow more, and, I hope that maybe some of you would like to grow more too. So, if you'd like to grow more, why don't you stand and let's conclude our service by just waiting on the Spirit of God for a few moments. come go. Just open your hands if you're ready to pray a prayer that says, "Jesus, I want to, I want to grow." Jesus, I want to pray right now for every single person in this room, including myself. That Lord, we would have a disposition for growth. And Lord, tonight we want to we want to put a stake in the ground and say we have expectation to grow into the image of Christ. We've seen the packet of seeds, and we've seen the beauty of our Savior. And we, we are we are lost in, in love and wonder and awe that we might even grow into the fullness of what it looks like to become children of God. And that is what we are. But Lord, we can't do this work on our own. We want to put in diversity and challenge, and we want to take out opposition and hostility and prejudice. Lord, we want to no longer deceive ourselves. We want to be slave to Christ and live for his glory. And so we pray, Spirit of God, this is beyond us, Lord, as you know, we, we are willing, but our flesh is weak. But we say, come, this Spirit, tonight, come, breathe on us, breath of God. Numartis, inflate our hearts Your glory. We long to grow into the fullness of the image of Christ. And we pray right now, Lord, we bring down every barrier, bring every chain, every obstacle, in order that we might make the light of Jesus to this broken and hurting world.